Good morning. Uh, I need to say a couple things before I introduce the speaker. Uh, one is I'm, I would really like to thank uh, the people who uh, worked on the daddy-daughter dance last night. That was a lot of work went into that. People stayed late. And, you know, and that's just, and, and that's just laying down your life for somebody. Uh, Jesus said, I have set you an example. Now that I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you need to wash one another's feet. And the people who put that on were washing people's feet last night. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, and then uh, secondly, I, wanna, I want to uh, uh, double down on what the shirt said earlier, on, on what Justin was saying about uh, uh, <coughs> Springhouse Presents. You, know, you don't have to sing or dance. Uh, you may have a story to tell. I mean, you don't have to be good. Uh, no, really, really, listen. Some of the most interesting things that has happened in the history of, of, of performances have taken place during Springhouse Presents. And the group of people who will be here that night will love you and encourage you and support you because you know what? They can see something a little bit deeper than just the talent level. They see something inside and they understand that somebody who is overcoming fear and, 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 and showing courage, that's a Pavarotti of a performance, man. I mean, let me just tell you, you know, I mean, we've had some stuff, uh, and you can be part of that stuff. And so, uh, I, I would, I would encourage, I mean, we had a magician one year, he couldn't do magic tricks. I, it, what can I say? Uh, so just, just go for it. Do it. Uh, as I was putting the sermons, um, uh, outlines together for where we were going to go, often the Lord will give me something and go, this is where you go with that. When I was putting this together, he said, Brad White is where you go with that. Would you welcome Elder, Elder Brad White? <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I think Justin said, uh, first service, I think he said, putting slide shows together was part of the talents that would be acceptable for uh, Springhouse Presents. So give it up for Pastor Ronnie. He put this slide show together for me <laughs> and gave me the clicker that goes with it. Uh, if you want to stand, let's, let's read the word this morning. Matthew 21, 33 through 46, the parable of the wicked tenants. Hey, it works. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. 
So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because of the people held that he was a prophet. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your spirit flowing in this place this morning. God, we, we acknowledge you as Lord. We acknowledge you as Savior. We too shout Hosanna. We too need saving. We too need a gateway of righteousness opened up to us. And so, Father, I ask that your word would just minister to us this morning. Father, anything that I would say, let me get out of the way and let your Holy Spirit come and minister to your people with an encouragement this morning. Father, let them know how loved and cherished and valued they are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. (laughs) And God bless you. I realized first service that I might need a water. So one of the things that uh, we want to look at real quick, and there's some things, man, I love first service. I love first service um, not just because they are the guinea pigs for this sermon, uh, but because they taught me a valuable lesson about time management. So when you see me just going and you see that I'm going, just go with me. If you got a question later, you can even catch me. This shirt, it, you don't have to touch the hem, but you can catch me and I will answer any question that you have. <laughs> so the context and the explanation of this scripture, Matthew 21, 23 tells us who Jesus was addressing in this parable. It says the chief priests, the Pharisees, the elders, they came to him and they asked him a question. So now we know in the scriptures who he is addressing. He's talking to the chief priests, the Pharisees. Uh, and, and at the end of that parable, you just read, it said in Matthew 21, 45, They perceived that the parable was about them. So they knew that what he was talking about was about them. Uh, The NLT says uh, they perceived it and they knew it. They realized that they were the wicked tenants. So as he's given the parable to them, it's not confusing. We know that they got it, that they knew who they were. So in the parable, you have the landowner, which is represented by God. I mean, God represented by the landowner. The vineyard is the kingdom. Uh, The tenants are Israel, but specifically the chief priests and the elders. The servants who the landowner sent are the prophets and the priests. And the son, you ain't going to believe this one, was Jesus. (laughs) 
I know, some of these things are mind-blowing. You're like, how did I not see that before? So let's talk about what a good Pharisee uh, is. Because the Pharisees, they thought they were good. Um, Paul even describes in Philippians 3, 3 through 7. I'm putting scriptures up here, so if you're taking notes, you write those down, you go get the whole thing. I'm just going to give you a snippet so we can keep running. Philippians 3, 3 through 7, Paul is saying, hey, look, if anybody has confidence in the flesh, it's me. Because I was a Pharisee amongst Pharisees, a Hebrew amongst Hebrews. Uh, As far as zeal was concerned for the Lord, I even persecuted the church. So if anyone has confidence in the flesh, it'd be me. Uh, Righteousness that, that was obtained from the law, I was there. I did that. So the Pharisees did uh, what Pastor Ronnie said either a week or two ago. He was talking about uh, how maybe in the holiness uh, church or in some growing up, I don't know if it was a holiness church, sounds like it was, um, that there was a we can't associate with those people, we can't do those things, we can't wear those clothes. Um, and there was a very, uh, a lot of outward appearance type things that had to happen. I can't go those places. And some of those things that happen are exactly the way that the Pharisees would treat other people is that they would say, I don't want to associate with them. I'm, you know, I don't want to dress like them. And so Paul tells us that all of that accounted for nothing once he knew Christ. He said, all of that outward holiness and all of the things that I was doing, it actually amounted to nothing once I knew Christ because he comes and he changes all of that for us. We don't have to worry about who we're going to associate with or how we're going to dress or who we're going to talk to because the spirit of the living God, when he's inside of me, then it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter who I'm with because they're going to experience what I'm experiencing when I bring Jesus to the table with me, right? Uh, this week, God gave me that little revelation I posted on Facebook. I said, uh, being, being called to a holy life, it doesn't mean that I can't eat with the sinners. It means I don't sin with the sinners, So that means God can call me out to places that I can minister to people, right? I can do those things. I just can't sin along with them. I'm supposed to be showing them another way. Uh, Over in Matthew 21, 31, Jesus tells the Pharisees there, he says, look, let me show you how how bad it is. I'm going to show you how bad it is. You think you're entering in the kingdom. Actually, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will enter ahead of you. Wait a minute, what? You mean us who are so fine-clothed and well-mannered and self-disciplined and know the Scriptures? They didn't even have to know the New Testament. <clears throat> so for them to be wicked tenants, here's, here's that word wicked, the translation was poneria, which translates to wickedness, but the literal translation is a labor of trouble. So the wicked tenants were actually a labor of trouble to the landowner. Uh, the definition of wicked is morally wrong with a disregard for righteousness. Um, but when you think about the way in which they treated the servants that God sent, the prophets and the priests, and he said, you didn't listen to them, you beat them up. You stoned them, you killed them, you threw them out. Part of that, part of what we're seeing even with that is what Paul said, hey, as far as zeal was concerned, I persecuted the church. I I treated people ill who I didn't agree with. 
right? People who didn't have the same mindset as me, I didn't look at them as though they were worthy. I didn't look at them as though their lives were valuable. And one of the things that you see, even with the, and, and, and Lord, Lord, help me. The Pharisees had a lot of order in their life. They had a lot of structure in their life, right? But you know what? Sometimes we sacrifice what God is going to do because we, are, we're, we would rather stick with the order. Somebody was telling me here recently, and I'm, and I'm guilty of it too, right? You might be driving somewhere and you see somebody that needs help, but you go, man, I got to be, I got somewhere I got to be. I can't stop and help this person right now, right? I don't have time. I wish I could. Lord, send somebody to help them. You ever think maybe that someone else already prayed that ahead of you? You could be the one that he sent to help them? So there's something that's within us that we actually, we want to do the labor of the Lord. We want to be good tenants. We want to produce fruit. We want to work in the kingdom. But sometimes uh, when God calls for that, for that harvest time, for that crop, we're not ready to deliver. There's an order and there's a structure, and that's, those are good things. You know who else has order and structure? Uh, the Muslims. They have a lot of order and structure. Jehovah's Witness, they got a whole lot of order and structure. You know why people are drawn to that type of stuff? Because their lives are in chaos. And they go, you know, the only thing that's going to fix my life is order and structure. But order and structure ain't going to get you there. Because it's not order that's going to fix your life. It's the orchestration of God that's going to fix your life. When you are where you are supposed to be, then your timing is right. When you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then the time is right. God works outside of that order sometimes if we're willing to let go, if we're willing to release. And I think that's what God has for us this morning. He has release for us because we're willing to let go. We want to go deeper places. We want to go further in the Lord. But we have to be willing to un- not just to understand the scripture, but to live it out. So we have a little diagram here. This is going to be one of the more confusing scriptures that we go to. But you have, uh, you have at the very top there, you have the capstone. That's the finishing stone. In the, in the center of the archway, you have the keystone. And at the bottom down there, at the bottom of the arch, you have the cornerstone. Now, some of these translations that, that we're going to read uh, that have about the prophecies being fulfilled, he said the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. However... In that era, building was not like this. So the capstone that we consider the capstone is what they would have considered the keystone. You follow me? So the keystone, but the other scriptures say the cornerstone. So Christ is the cornerstone and he's the keystone. Two two reasons why that makes sense and two reasons why you're going to want to know that. soon as I get that scripture, I'll tell you why. <laughs> so if you're, if you're taking notes, write these down, okay? Because these are, the, these are going to be the scriptures that you're going to be able to come back to later and figure out all, connect all those pieces. They're like, it's like a big puzzle. But um, you're going to be like, oh, that's what he meant. So in Matthew 21, 42, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our sight. That's actually Jesus is referencing to the Pharisees, Psalm 118, 22 through 24. It says the exact same thing, right? He says, have you not read the scriptures? But in referencing the scripture, 
Jesus is not just reference, referencing 118, 20 through 24. He's referencing the whole psalm. Even though he asked them this one part of the story, hey, you remember when Jordan hit that one jump shot to win a championship? Well, I'm asking you, do you know about Michael Jordan's career? I'm asking you, do you know? There's more to the context than that one example. So when he references this, he's knowing, now these are the elders, the chief priests. They know the scriptures. They should know these scriptures. So when he says this, He's actually referencing to earlier in the psalm where it says, you have opened for me the gates of righteousness. You have done for me. You have saved me. You are my strength. You are my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the capstone. God did this, and it's marvelous in my sight. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Who knows that scripture? Did you know that he was talking about the day of salvation? Did you know that he was talking about the day that the gate of righteousness was open? It's good stuff. It's good stuff, and it's all in there. Isaiah uh, 28, 16 is talking about uh, uh, another prophecy where he said, I lay a, a firm stone, a foundation stone in Jerusalem, and anyone who trusts in it will never be shaken. So there's two other, two other scriptures that go along with these. But when he's saying this to the Pharisees, he's saying, do you not, you've been looking for fulfillment of the scriptures. Do you not see that I am it? How come they couldn't see something? They were so stuck in their order. Jesus didn't fit with their order. You ever think God might call you out to do something that doesn't fit with your order? It may be outside of the realm of possibilities that you have considered could even happen to you. I don't want to be the type of person now when I when I drive by and I see the guy and he's got the jack up and the tire is off. And I'm like, Lord, I, I'm not that strong. You know, you probably got somebody more stronger. Didn't know more about I bet Mike Dennison will be along here shortly and <laughs> he could probably help him. But, you know, God is going to call you sometimes to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. He's going to call you to do things. Why? Not because you're best at changing a tire, but because you had a word of encouragement for that guy, but because you had the provision to get that guy to the next place. Maybe he's calling on you because you were going to sow hope for the future into his life. So it's not always about the talents and the abilities. Springhouse Presents is going to be great, but you're going to see not everybody has the same talents and the same abilities. So come and do something. Just enjoy yourself. It's fun. I'll be there to laugh and encourage you. (laughs) So when Jesus is talking about now that your access is granted into the kingdom, okay, you've got the vineyard. It's such a beautiful parable, too, because you have, when he says that there was a landowner and he he had the vineyard and and he dug the wine prison, he put the wash down. You realize God already gave you everything that you needed? God did all the heavy lifting. He did all the hard work. He did all the hard work. And he put a gate around it to defend you. And he put a watchtower in there for your safety. And he put a wine press in there to make your workload lighter. The whole vineyard was for your provision. And then Jesus said that the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone, the keystone in the gate. So whoever will come to this narrow gate, what might happen to those 
who didn't believe in Jesus if he was the gateway? What might happen to those people who, who weren't fully trusting in him, who, who hadn't placed their faith in him? He said it would become a stone to make them stumble. Could you imagine you're trying to get through that little narrow gateway, but you didn't trust that you would fit through that gateway? You didn't trust that that gateway was leading you to the place, and you tripped over that, and he became a stumbling block. He was the cornerstone, a firm foundation. The archway couldn't hold up without him, but he could cause you to trip. And he's the keystone high and lifted up in the center of the arch. And if that keystone were to fall out, it would crush a man. I've always wondered about that scripture. How does this make sense, God? Why would you be a stumbling block to your own people? Why would you crush someone? But you know what? And as much as, uh, as, much as I love to say, I, and I don't know what's going to happen to all the people who, who had a chance to believe and they haven't believed and they haven't put their faith in Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen to them. Ultimately, we know what the scriptures say, right? It's going to be eternal separation from God. But I know one place where they're not going to be. They're not going to be able to enter into the kingdom. They'll have no place in the kingdom. Because he said, I am the gateway. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. You there? Say amen when you get there. See, y'all didn't really get there. Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Guys, we're talking about how many people do you know? How many people do you know? How many friends you got on social media? You got 1,000, 2,000? How many people do you know? I know there's somebody, who got 5,000 social media friends in here? Somebody in here does. I'm tell, I see people. I'm like, how in the world you know 5,000 people? Huh? Well, 5,000 people know them then. <laughs> but to take that number and then say only a few. Take that number and say only a few. However many you imagine that number to be in a room this size, how many is a few? How many is a few? And that's how many is going to find it? So few will find it. Why? <laughs> Matthew 21, uh, back, to the, back to the parable again, 21, 41, and in verse 43, I hear somebody flipping. That sounds joyous. The religious leaders replied, he will put those wicked men to a horrible death and he will lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. So who's going to be the ones who get to participate in the kingdom? Who's going to be the ones who get to enjoy the vineyard? He said, I'm going to bring new tenants in. The old tenants are gone. They were wicked. They killed my servants. They didn't do what I asked them to do. They were disobedient. They couldn't get with the program. I kicked them out, but I opened up the vineyard to someone else. Who do I open it up to? Others who will give him a share of the crop at harvest time. 
Others who will give him a share of the crop at harvest time. Okay, we already did that. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, the NIV says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, which would make me think about the harvest time to produce the, produce the crop that God desires. You think God desires repentance? The, the New Living Translation says, prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. So part of the harvest that he's looking for, part of the crop that he's looking for, is for us to live a life that proves that we have repented. That proves that we have turned from from the way that the wicked servants behaved. We've turned from that way, and now we're going to follow you, Lord. We want what you want. And how do we do that? Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, rather painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So we do have to live disciplined lives, right? So the disciples were men of discipline. We have to, we have to live disciplined lives. So we can't take what the Pharisees were doing because they lived disciplined lives and go, ah, they missed everything because they missed God. No, there's a benefit to having discipline in your life. And hopefully that discipline that's leading you to righteousness is, is, is creating in you a right standing with God so that you're able to receive from God what God's trying to tell you about right now. I want to hear what God is trying to say to me now. Sometimes he's speaking through other people. Sometimes he's speaking through, through worship. Sometimes he's speaking through uh, reading your word. Sometimes he's speaking through your, your prayer language. Sometimes he's speaking through your quiet time. Sometimes he's speaking through your coworkers or your pastors or your leaders or your small group leaders or the people that are in your small group. Maybe you're not receiving because you keep thinking that you know how the word from the Lord is going to come. And so you've discounted what was meant for you because it didn't line up. It wasn't in order with what you thought. I don't want to miss out on what God is doing. I don't want to miss out on a word from the Lord. There's several times, even this week, I was feeling so down. I was feeling so down. A brother called me Thursday and said, man, I just want to tell you about this testimony. I'll tell you what God did. I was like, man, I appreciate you doing that. I needed that. The next person comes in and they say, man, let me tell you what God did for me. Man, God saved my wife, man. God was going to do this. The next person comes in, they said, man, I've been a singer uh, for 13 years and, and I've lost my voice. I haven't had my voice in seven years and God restored that to me. And I kept saying, man, if God is doing all of this, if God is doing all of this, how come I don't hear about it? When God does something, man, we need to tell somebody else because that's hope for them. That's hope for them. Man, this little notepad made me lose my place so much. What's going on here? 
and Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Y'all know that one, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Am I missing one? Self-control. Ooh, yeah, I wish that's, someone said something. What's the black magic marker and you take it and you just get something out of there? That would be the one. Hey, worship team, y'all want to come? How am I doing on time? I'm doing great. Man, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord, man. There's something about yes. Guys, there's everything inside those walls that we need. Everything that I need is inside those walls that God has already created. Everything that I need access to is in there. And the only way for me to get access to those things is I have to enter in through this narrow gateway. Now, to those who don't believe, they're going to stumble. They're going to fall. They're going to be crushed. Who do you want to take through this gateway with you? Who do you want to be an encouragement to? Who do you want to make sure you say, I know the way and this is it. And God showed me something and God told me and God revealed to me. God's revelations are coming fresh from his throne room. Even as we think and speak and blink, there are fresh revelations coming from the throne room of God right now. And they're not just for you. They're for other people. Why would I be so selfish as to think that what God reveals to me is merely for me? Why would I think that this big, when God shows me something, he's painting a picture and he puts the puzzle pieces together and I go, wow, that's, that's what he was talking about? That's what he was doing? It goes back this far. It's this complex. It's this wide. It's this deep. Why wouldn't I want to share that with someone else? Well, here's one reason why, why I wouldn't. One reason why I wouldn't is if I'm not walking in repentance. If I don't, if, if I don't have that righteousness that comes from being disciplined in the Lord. A harvest of righteousness that's to come. And if I'm not walking in the fruit of the Spirit, people don't want to receive anything from me. So he wants to put people in the kingdom who are going to produce fruit, who are going to produce a crop. And we can be those people. All we have to do is enter in through that narrow gateway. If those who are going to uh, serve communion will come. This is part of our access right here. <laughs> this is our access because Jesus body was broken and his blood was spilled for us we have access to the father we have access to the very throne room of God and I want to encourage you this morning look there's going to be elders and there's going to be people that come to pray with people up here at this altar after you take communion if you need prayer for any reason let them lay hands on you and pray for you if you need any reason to be prayed for come and be prayed for but look Look, if you don't even want to talk to nobody and you just need to kneel here at this altar and, and, and have your word with God and let God have his way with you for a moment, then come and kneel down here. 
come and kneel down. There may, maybe someone will come and lay hands on your back. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes the best times, I love praying with people. I do, and I've had some great breakthroughs just in, 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 in the prayers of the saints. But some of the deepest places where <laughs> I needed God to touch something in me, it wasn't a sin that I needed to confess. It wasn't. I needed God to just do something in me. And if you just need God to do something in you this morning, come and kneel down. Come and kneel and pray. So if those who would pray for people will come first, 